the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us today uh, in another episode of uh, our radio show, Let Us Reason. I'm your host, Al Fadi, and uh, as always, um, we are blessed uh, to have uh, top-notch scholars who join us periodically to uh, contribute to the different topics that we deal with. And uh, as you know, the essence of our show is to uh, reach our Muslim people uh, with the uh, truth, with the message of the gospel, without watering it down, without uh, trying to compromise that truth for them, for their own sake, because we love them and uh, we pray that we would see them uh, spend eternity uh, with the true God. And uh, no pun intended here, the topic actually deals with God and who he is in terms of the common understanding of Christians and Muslims when it comes to are we worshiping the same God or not. We've invested uh, more than four to five weeks now on this particular topic. Last week, I had the privilege of having a dear brother who comes from a Muslim background. Uh, his name is Reverend uh, Fred Farouk, and he shared a little bit of his uh, testimony with us. So you can always go to our archive on soundcloud.com and search for Let Us Reason, and you can uh, listen to the last episode uh, before this one, and you will get to uh, hear a little bit about his uh, uh, amazing journey to find our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, he's joining me again today. Uh, Brother Fred, thank you so much for making time uh, to be with us today. Great being here. Thank you, Brother um, uh, last time we uh, covered the topic of whether Christians and Muslims worship the same God from just a, a, a brief overview. Today, I would like us to explore it a little bit deeper. So, um, you know, maybe we'll talk about a number of questions and uh, I'll turn it over to you basically, basically after each question to try to uh, provide our listeners uh, with a uh, deeper, under deeper understanding uh, related to that. So one of those questions that I have uh, is this. Um, many Christians are asserting today, uh, and maybe even in the past, uh, that the God of Islam is the same God as the God of the Bible. So what do Muslim, Muslims have to say about that, from your own experience? Yeah, this, this is a very good question, and um, again, there's every story, you know, has a background, it has a backdrop, every painting has a, a canvas and has a, has a frame. And here, What's happening is, uh, I think in the world, people realize there's tensions between different communities, between Christians and Muslims in Nigeria or Indonesia or even in the United States or Syria. And people want better relations between Christians and Muslims. And so uh, the question would be, do Christians and Muslims worship the same God? Or another way of looking at it, do, does Islam point to the same God 
Bible. And people feel, well, if we say that they're not the same deity, that would just create unnecessary uh, confrontation or hard feelings. But the fact of the matter is we have to look at actually what are the beliefs of uh, Christianity and Islam, what does the Bible teach, what does the Quran teach. And those of us from that were raised Muslim or lived in Muslim world or have a lot of family members that are Muslim, uh, have been raised in the masjid, uh, this stuff, it seems to be kind of a no-brainer because, uh, as we would say in America, a no-brainer, it, it's obvious that Christians and Muslims don't worship the same God because as young children in the masjid, the very first lessons that we were always taught were about the Tawheed, about the uh, the doctrine of divine unity, and there never could be any Trinitarianism, any plurality, or any incarnation of God in the Islamic worldview. So uh, if you come from that background and then you become a believer in the Bible, you will see that there is there are points of, of commonality, but not in terms of uh, them being the same God. That's wonderful, brother. Uh, amen to that. So um, when it comes to Islam itself, mm-hmm. what did Muhammad's own words and actions basically speak about um, uh, his understanding of the same God issue, for instance? Yeah, and this one again, uh, when we're talking about Islam, of course it's a, it's a religion followed by a billion and a half people, including most of our relatives between you and me. Um, so, but the one thing about Islam is it's, it's very subtle and in some ways very clever because Muhammad, he could have outright rejected Jesus because if you read, for example, Surah Ma'idah, uh, chapter 5 of the Quran, you see that Muhammad knew Christians were worshipping Jesus. And he could have easily said, well, we reject Jesus as an imposter who claimed to be God. That would have been a little easier and straightforward, but what ended up happening was Muhammad said, no, Jesus never declared to be God. It was it was other people that perverted the religion. So um, this, is, uh, this is a challenge when we talk about Islam and how Muhammad dealt with Jesus Christ. Muhammad was aware of Jesus Christ, and he had to make decisions about how he set up the community. And in fact, um, and this is a well-known uh, testimony in the Hadith and also in the third surah, Surah Al-Imran, where a delegation of Christians, and we don't know exactly their denomination or their affiliation, but they, they were from a Arabian town called Najran. Which is south was, in Arabia, exists today. Yes. And the, uh, the, it was at a time where Muhammad was, and the Muslims were from now in Medina after the Hijra, they were gaining ascendancy over the peninsula. And all, in many of the tribes, they wanted to come and make peace with Muhammad. And the Muslims, so the Najranis, including their bishop, they sent a delegation to discuss for three days with Muhammad. And this is chronicled in the middle part of uh, the third surah, Surah Al-Imran, and you see that uh, this surah actually is used by insider movement advocates to show this common ground and so forth. But if we actually look at the surah in its context, we see these Christians were sharing with Muhammad about the excellency of Jesus, the virgin birth, which he accepted. But when it came to the point of whether Jesus was God, you see in, in Surah 3, verse 51, 59, that Muhammad says Jesus is no more divine or no more the Son of God than was Adam, because Adam was also created without an earthly father. So 
this especially because in verse 61, uh, there's a cursing ceremony in which Muhammad says, we have no common ground with you Christians and your view of Jesus, theological common ground. Let you curse me and, and I will curse you. The Christians didn't want to curse anyone, but Muhammad, he cursed the Christians in the ceremony called Al-Mubahala. And because uh, Ali and Fatima and Hassan and Hussein were with him, this is an important uh, hadith and a, an important activity for Shia. But we see here that uh, Muhammad himself uh, did not accept the deity of Jesus Christ. And so we can only conclude, therefore, that he did not accept the Bible or the uh, the biblical view of God. Yeah, and, and certainly uh, uh, Muhammad's point is that, you know, one of us is going to end up winning. Uh, that, that was his yeah. own uh, purpose behind this. So uh, uh, obviously, um, I, I like how you said it, that um, uh, if... Muhammad basically uh, wanted to reject the Christian worship, he would have dealt with what was going on in terms of the orthodoxy of Christianity, but the way he dealt with it is by challenging even the uh, the words of Christ and the fact that Jesus himself didn't say that Christians should do this, something that probably, uh, in his view, would have been difficult for Christians to prove, uh, uh, at least when you say, well, Jesus didn't say this, and that would have been a foundation now for corruption in the Scripture versus saying, well, you do this, but my God says you cannot do that. Uh, so uh, it's definitely a brilliant argument, uh, to say yes. the least. And we see, uh, just to add to that, even before Muhammad made the Hijra to Medina, at the time he was in Mecca, one of the early surahs, of course, that most Muslim kids learn, Surah Kafirun, about the disbelievers, and of course, he's talking about the polytheists and the kafirun and the mushrikun of, uh, of Mecca. But he says, you do not worship what I worship. I do not worship what you worship. I will not worship. You will not. And then he says, uh, to, be, to you be your religion, and to me be the religion. So, walakum dinukum waliyadin. And this is a very well-known verse. So we see, even in the early part of Muhammad's life, he was not acting in an inclusivist way. Mm-hmm. where he was trying to build bridges to other religions, be it the idol worship of the Quraysh or uh, Christians or Jews. In fact, uh, he took a very strong and exclusivist stance, and uh, we shouldn't change history for the sake of uh, some kind of a false um, understanding. And so just looking at Islam from the point of view of the Muslims and the way Muhammad set up the community, we would have to say, that uh, this does not point to a same God agreement. And I agree with you, brother. It's, it's, uh, it baffles me uh, because, um, you know, this chapter in the Quran is very clear. It can't get any clearer than that, of course, about the separation between the two uh, gods and the two worships and the two religions. But uh, it always baffles me as to why we always uh, want to, we meaning Christians, evangelicals, want to try to water down the gospel when Muslims are always bold about their stand. I mean, I just cannot understand it for the life of me. But um, that would be, I guess, a a topic for a different discussion. Uh, Now, I'm going to move on to another question related also to Islam and even to Muhammad directly. Uh, The Islamic creed or the Shahada, um, how does this really impact the same God issue? You know, again, it's, uh, I think it's, Instructive. I recently, in the last few years, completed a Ph.D. dissertation uh, in intercultural studies on the topic of Muslim identity, and I asked, um, I interviewed 40 
God has visited the earth in the form of Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and rose from the grave. And I asked these individuals, is this the same Jesus that a person has been raised to believe as a Muslim? All of the Muslim background Christians said that none of, you know, that this was a different Jesus, an altogether different identity. And of the of, of the Muslim of the Muslims themselves, of which some were just laypersons, fifteen of them, eighteen of the twenty said this is absolutely a different Jesus. And uh, one of the imams, I, I entered a very scholarly imam who was a Palestinian, so Arabic first language speaker, and he explained it to me this way. He says, when we give the Islamic Shahada, which is what you need to do to become a Muslim, declare there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his prophet. He described that the Shahada, the creed, to become a Muslim, it has two parts. It has a part which is called nafi, or negation. And you'll see that the way the Islamic creed is set up, it doesn't say we worship only God or uh, Allah is the supreme being. It actually is set up as a negative. There is no, there is no God but Allah. And the reason that this negation is set up, which in Arabic, as you would know, is called nafi, is to specifically exclude from the Islamic belief system any incarnation of God, any plurality or trinity or duality, anything but a, a very strict tawhid. And then, the, and then, then of course, once you have negated the very concept of an incarnation of God or a trinity of God, then there is an affirmation or isbat uh, that there is no God but Allah. So he, he explained to me that the creed itself uh, completely undercuts any kind of an idea whereby uh, Jesus could be considered God. Uh, that's that's an excellent uh, point, by the way, because it, it definitely, um, you know, when you examine Islam at a deeper level and from a technical standpoint, you'll notice that it's usually a polemic, an argument against our own faith. For instance, this Shahada that you just mentioned, it flies in the face of how God declared himself to the uh, his people uh, before he gave them the Ten Commandments, for instance. He says, I am the Lord your God who got you out of Egypt, Yahweh, a covenant God who has a relationship. Islamic creed, la ilaha illallah, no God but Allah. In other words, that's it. You know, this is the God that we worship. He's not Yahweh. He's different. And uh, right there, the relationship concept is gone uh, almost automatically. And uh, this is really what baffles me that many of our uh, Christian brothers who probably, uh, I don't want to accuse them uh, of intentionally doing things. Some of them are well-meaning, but sometimes it's ignorance that causes all of this problem. Lack of understanding of how Muslims believe in things causes them to come up with methods and movements and ways that really harm our Muslim people at the end of the day not help them come to the truth. I agree. Now, let me ask another question, brother. How will informed Muslims react, for instance, uh, if they hear that Christians assert that both faith, Islam, and Christianity worship the same God? And um, this is a very good question. Uh, I think my response to that would be, in general, in relation to this movement of insider movements or Islam, uh, most Muslims, you know, they, they don't get offended by the fact that we Christians say we, we believe in a trinity. or uh, they, they may not agree with it. But what, in, even in my own research, what 
got offended about was a person who came to believe that Jesus is God and he died on the cross and rose from the dead. They got very offended when this person, as I described a, a scenario to them, insisted that he or she was still uh, a Muslim. They become offended uh, because what ends up happening in this insider model, uh, even though, like you say, the people mean well and they think they're making bridges and, and this is going to create harmony and happiness, what it actually does is it's stealing from the Muslim community the, 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 the uh, markers and the uh, identifiers that the Muslim community has set up. So uh, when Muhammad and the early Muslims were setting up the Ummah, they specifically reserved the word Muslim for those, uh, or they exempted from coming under the category of the term Muslim anyone who had a Trinitarian belief or belief in the incarnation of God and in human form. And so when Muslims go to various countries around the world, every country, they don't translate that word Muslim. For example, if you go to the United States and you ask somebody, I would like to go worship in the house of the people who are submitted to God. Now, people will say, what is the worship of the house of people that are submitted to God? Well, Muslim means submitted to God, but Muslims don't translate that term because they say, and I researched with some of the ulama, the scholars, indicated this. They said that the, the term Muslim is a specific technical term. People may say they're a Muslim, I'm submitted to God through Christianity or Judaism, but uh, when they understand the, the word Muslim, it has a, a, the breadth of the way uh, it's used in the Quran and the way it's used in the Hadith, and it rejects the idea that people that worship Jesus can be Muslim. So it, it would almost be like you have a neighbor and uh, you have some marker between your homes that shows whose property is which. If you go and you move that thing or steal that marker, that offends the neighbor uh, even more than if you actually just happen to walk across their property. And in the case of Muslims, what's happening with the insider movement is they're stealing the term Muslim from the Muslims and saying, well, I worship Jesus and I believe in the Bible, therefore I'm the best of Muslims. But actually, it's quite offensive to, uh, to steal their identity markers and also to blend Christianity and Islam. And in many countries where you talk to Muslim scholars, they say, our people are not stupid. Don't try to mish mash Christianity and Islam together and to get them to accept it. Our people are not stupid. And, uh, and therefore, we're bringing unnecessary offense to the Muslims by trying to bring a teaching that is neither biblical, neither biblical or Islamic, and it only actually in the long run will cause Muslims to be angry with the people they feel are trying to trick them. And I, I like what you mentioned, by the way, that uh, as... Islam was established in the Ummah, which is the Islamic community in Medina, which is the second phase of Muhammad's uh, own ministry, uh, they began to exclusively use the word Muslim. In fact, uh, a simple study of the Quran, and we look at the Meccan uh, uh, chapters, you'll see that the common terminology was uh, used there was believers in general, which in uh, included, by the way, in that formula, uh, Christians and Jews, and even uh, Sabayin as well, you know, uh, as yeah. you know, there is uh, some, some errors in there. But nevertheless, the exclusivity now of Muslims only and the separation from Christianity and other beliefs became very evident as the Islamic community 
was being developed. So thank you for uh, touching on that. Um, uh, let me ask another one. Uh, in your own essay, by the way, uh, on the same God topic that we refer to in the EMS article uh, or uh, um, uh, report, uh, you said uh, this question uh, is a theological optical illusion. How so? Yeah, the the issue with an optical illusion is that you see something and it seems one way, but it's actually another. And so the optical illusion would be Christians say they worship one God. Muslims say they worship one God. People of other religions may say they worship one God. And creation itself seems to point to there being one God, one creator. So we, we, we come to the illusion that all of these roads must lead to Rome or all of these faiths must point to the same God. But when in fact, in the optical illusion, there's always something you don't see. And in this case, it's Jesus Christ. In the case of those who are trying to say same God in Islam and Christianity, what you have to do is you have to take Jesus Christ out of the picture. And so that creates the optical illusion. And uh, as, you, as we uh, discussed last week, and uh, have come now to this week, really the issue is, is Jesus Christ. And it's not about, you know, should I wear a beard or wear a head covering? If you lose Jesus Christ, you lose everything, because Jesus is the Savior. So uh, this, is a, this is a hugely important point, and that uh, if we just think, well, all people that worship one God must worship the same God, when in fact Islam teaches that Jesus is not God, we have actually been tricked. We have fallen for an optical illusion. Amen. Our Lord told Philip in John 14, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Very clear. If you've known me, you've known the Father, basically. And even in Matthew eleven twenty-seven, he says, and no one knows God. Uh, I mean, uh, um, uh, no one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son and whomever the Son chooses to reveal him to. So it's very clear that Jesus is the uh, central point of uh, the knowledge of who God is, or the true God in this case. Um, uh, brother, um, we have addressed uh, the same God issue from the viewpoint of humans. Uh, what is the theocentric viewpoint of this issue? Yeah, that's a very good question. What I, The way I look at it is we see people, for example, we see a Muslim sitting on a prayer mat or kneeling or making sajda. We see a, uh, a Christian sitting in a church pew. We see a Jewish person bowing at the uh, wailing wall. And we look at the people and we say, they're looking up to God, must they all be looking up to the same God? Another way is to look at it from God's point of view. And this goes to some of the character issues. In the Bible, God loves all people, and he loves them unconditionally, and he came to earth to rescue people from their sins. But how about from the Islamic point of view? God does not love people in a personal way, as we mentioned. Uh, he extends mercy to people on a conditional basis. And in some of these surahs, for example, Surah Al-Imran, which the camel method, an insider type uh, evangelism strategy, you see in this surah itself, it says God does not love kafirun, idol worshippers. God does not love, well, disbelievers, the kafirun. In, in the same, in the very section of the uh, Najrani Christian visit in Surah 3, yep. it says Allah does not love those who do wrong. So, so this is obviously a different God. Amen. 
Well, brother, um, it is uh, really this is a deep topic. So I, I am praying that you will be willing to join me again uh, for another maybe episode or two to continue along this discussion. But thank you so much for taking time to invest with us. Uh, I'm sure our listeners uh, will be blessed by the information you shared. And uh, with that said, uh, thank you uh, to all who have joined this episode. You've been listening to the topic of whether uh, Christians and Jew, uh, Muslims worship the same God. Uh, uh, this is uh, Let Us Reason. I'm your host, Al-Fadi. And with me here today was our dear brother, Reverend uh, Fred Farouk, discussing this uh, important topic. Uh, until we meet again next week, have a blessed week. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.